Welcome. This is Jen Sanders with our fourth scripture study of this Lenten season. And the final question that we are seeking to answer of the questions that the Lord has asked his people. And this final question of, of the Linton season is a tough one. It's actually one that I have very loudly and boldly screamed no as the answer, as I've heard the Lord asking this of me. It's a real tough question to answer. So as I read the passage, think about the question Jesus is asking his disciples. Prepare your heart, though, as you may want to respond as I did. But let's work through it together. So it's actually... Passage actually begins with a mother's request. And how many of us, goodness, have um, had our moms request something of us? Or maybe it was of a teacher or, or a coach. Um, but we kind of listen, right? We, we have a heads up when a mother is asking for something. And yet, even mothers can get it wrong. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons, kneeling before him and asked for something. And he said to her, What do you want? This is a question he has asked many times to many people. What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Okay, here it goes. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They respond quickly. They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. And it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
I'm not sure who you relate most with in this passage, if it's the mom or the two sons who were were very glad for their mom to advocate for these positions for them. If you relate to the quick answer, we are able. Sure, I've got this. Or if you're more like the the other disciples that were somewhat outraged at what these two guys could ask Jesus for. He says... You do not know what you are asking. I think this is true for me a lot as I come to the Father, as I come to Jesus. I don't think I know what I'm asking so often. And yet I love that he asked the question that we've explored before. What do you want? He knows we are people of desire. He's put that desire within us. It's just so easy to get confused about what I really want. And then Jesus goes on to ask, Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they so quickly answer, We are able. And I wonder if I have been the same as I've followed Jesus. I, I've misunderstood, maybe, I don't know if it's misunderstood or um, just slow to understand like the disciples, that following him would look different than what I had imagined I think that I really have been amazed at the grace that the God of the universe would show to someone like me who has turned away from him again and again, who has hurt others. I'm amazed that he would suffer and die for me. But I don't think I fully understood that in following him and receiving that grace is this question, this invitation that I will be asked to drink the same cup. 
And so it is in this season of Lent where we spend a little bit more time reflecting, exploring these places where we have been quick to think we know what it means to follow Jesus. But maybe like his disciples in this passage, we need to pause a little longer on this question. For what we will celebrate in the week to come, what we will remember is Jesus is suffering on our behalf. And what he is asking us through this passage and this question, what he is reminding us is that whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sarah Clarkson, in her book, This Beautiful Truth, recounts this so beautifully. She writes, We haven't really come to terms with the fact that the first part of our story is a tragedy. It doesn't jibe with the missional excitement of God's good news, with our marketer's promise of blessing to those who accept God's love. We forget what it means for the world to be fallen and for us to be profoundly frail. And when suffering comes upon us, and oh, it does, to godly souls and innocent children, the evil and the good alike, we are outraged and bewildered. We stand in danger of abandoning the very faith whose power is based on divine love overcoming death because we didn't think we really had to die in the first place. If we have not grasped that God's goodness comes to us in the darkness, not just that of the general world, but of our shattered and faulty selves, that he is our comfort when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not just a death outside us in the headlines, but the one we taste as intimate terror. We have not understood what it means to follow and love the crucified Christ, the suffering servant, the wounded God, whose very life was required for the healing of the devastated world. And even as we wrestle to accept the reality of this question, Jesus asks, we remember that we weren't created for disaster 
perform for destruction. And to lament our pain is to honor the beauty God intended and yearn towards its restoration. Somehow, together, we recite the words in Romans 5 with Paul, not tritely, but with the depth of knowing this invitation came from the one who loves us most. Paul writes, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Take some time this week to reflect on this question. Talk about it with those in your small group, in your real life group. Some of us um, are in seasons um, where there's hardly a choice, it feels. We're just in the suffering. Other, others of us um, are in different seasons and maybe even hear this and want to run far away. And yet, just like the disciples, we are called together to wrestle and wonder and be curious, to relate, to look for places where we can connect with each other, to encourage one another in this, depending on the season, to help one another remember that we're wrapped up in this love and that this suffering that even Jesus is asking of his people does not last forever. We may need encouragement from one another to see the beauty and the hope that Jesus points his disciples to. We may need to ask one another questions, be curious, and we all need to learn together we are all um, like the disciples none of us have it figured out we continue to come to, to Jesus with 
our questions and our wants and our desires. And even as he's transforming us, we need to be reminded. We need to be reoriented. To know that what we want, what we ultimately desire is Him. And He has offered Himself up to us. So as we move into this final week of Lent, ponder this question of suffering. Don't be afraid of it, or at least be afraid of it together and encourage one another. And follow Jesus into this week of suffering and also to this season of hope that we know comes as a result. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters, grace and peace.